Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 46 presented by Five Pin Universe. I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. We got the two Wiseman twins, Adam Weber. And uh, it's been 42 long episodes since Jeff Young has been on our podcast from Elmire, Ontario. We'd just like to thank him for coming back on. Um, he's hosting the club tour this coming weekend, so uh, we want to hit on some of those topics. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, so, Jeff, Mitch has been posting on social media lately that you go, you and him are planning on doing some small videos throughout the weekend, interviews and stuff like that. And just let us know your thoughts on it. I do believe he was thinking like the Brad and Kyle YouTube kind of stuff that was going on in Tenpin. Yeah, I mean, as, as far as like Brad and Kyle go, um, I haven't really watched any of that stuff. Um, but I do feel like there's an opportunity here for um, us to, to put something together, some sort of content uh, aside from your typical um, live streams or tournament boards or just something for people to keep track of. Maybe like a little inside kind of scoop on how things go. And uh, I do think that, um, you know, Mitch is really good at articulating questions and, and very thoughtful ideas. And um, he would be perfect for, you know, putting something together. And, and I, I do know like our plans are to um, interview some people and, and, you know, feel them out and see how they think things went and, you know, catch them before they start and what are their, you know, objectives or their goals for the tournament and how they think things are going to go. And, and like a wrap up, you know, and, and hopefully this opens doors for us to do a lot more things that, um, you know, we don't typically see. And I, I think we can grab an opportunity. And, uh, and I always say that the one thing that our sport does um, very poorly, and, and thankfully you guys are here to, to change that is, is we've got so many personalities in five and bowling, and nobody sees them. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll see it see a name and you know nothing about them other than that hey that person's a good bowler and it'd kind of be nice to break it down a little bit and, and show people that hey there, there's a ton of personality at, at the highest level of bowling and uh and maybe that kind of sparks more interest and and maybe gets people um out a little bit more often in our tournaments i know you guys do a really good job of having a wider a wide array of um, abilities and averages that come out to yours but we don't necessarily have that um in our tournaments so you know maybe if we kind of show there's a little bit more of a personable aspect to what we're doing out here maybe you know we can get some some comparable numbers mm -hmm. i know for me whenever i watch sports or you know uh, movies music um i'm all about the personalities all my favorite like one of my favorite hockey players of all time is Eli Briskalov because the guy had nothing but personality. You know, he may not have been the best goalie, but he was honest and like truthful and hilarious. Um, and then, then I like, I used to listen to Kanye all the time and then he turned into a complete dick. And now I don't, I can't listen to him anymore. Like the personalities are so huge. So you're absolutely right. It, it's good that we could probably, you know, show some personalities out there and then, and then maybe, maybe we'll get more viewers being, and it's like, this guy's my favorite player. I want to watch him play. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I think too, like, I mean, I, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time um, watching bowling content on YouTube, but 
the one thing that I do watch a lot of and, uh, you know, it's a lot of people might seem a bit ridiculous. I'm huge into bass fishing and uh, I follow a lot of the the big elite um, tournament fishermen. Some of those guys have the greatest personalities. And uh, there's two guys in particular that I absolutely like. I find them so funny to to watch. And and, I mean, they'll shoot like a travel video and uh, and and just their personality that comes out. And I've actually, I actually took something that they do and, and applied it to not five pin bowling, but to duck pin bowling. And it actually took off really well. So the, whenever time they, they caught a, a really big fish, they'd always have like their imaginary bell and they'd be like, ding, every time they caught one. <laughs> so every time I threw a strike in duck pin tournament, I, that's what I did. I was like, oh, uh, ding. And by like the fourth <laughs> or fifth game, like not only my pair, but like the pair beside me, they were all doing it too. Like every time I throw a strike, I wouldn't even have to do it anymore. They'd be like, ding, you know, like, so, so, uh, you know, like that type of stuff, like we need that, I think. And, and, and like I said before, we have so much personality, but unless you're in it, you don't know, you know, there's a, there's quite a few characters that we all know that, you know, as soon as we say their name, it's just like, oh yeah, like I know that guy. Like you, know, you can tell ten stories about him, but for the outsider, if it's just a name on a piece of paper, I'm like, hey, that guy's pretty good, but they wouldn't know. No, exactly. <clears throat> I definitely love the idea of a little extra content, or you know, say maybe like a pre-tournament interview, a post-tournament interview with a few guys. Um, if I remember correctly, I thought we we tried that last year at the Autumn Open. Uh, but it was extremely loud when uh, where, where uh, was it Tim and Dex that were doing it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I would love to see a little bit more of that. Just as long as it's in maybe a, a bit of a quieter place, and yeah, and try try to promote some of these, you know, these names. So if somebody goes out there, shoots twenty four hundred that you know wouldn't necessarily throw a twenty four hundred. Yeah, let, let's let's get that person, you know, the the, the five minutes of fame and. Um, you know, get their thoughts on, on what made it, you know, such, such a, a personal achievement for them. Yeah. And I, w- yeah. I would even say too, like if anyone that's listening has any, you know, any ideas or something that they want to, you know, particularly see, you know, like send them our way. Like, you know, we're going to be pretty open-minded to, you know, what sort of content we want to put out. And, you know, if a bunch of people want to see something, yeah, we're going to go down that road for sure. So don't be afraid to, you know, give us a shout out and say, Hey, you know, I ever thought of this, or mm-hmm. I think this would be cool. We're definitely yeah. open to, to, to listening for sure. Was it, was it a lot, how many years ago? It was two, three years ago that we did the, uh, you know what really plows my pain <laughs> segment uh, at TPC. We, we haven't released them because they're mostly not very PG, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I still think that there's, I still think we should almost just just bite the bullet and post them because you get to see the personnel. I mean, if you don't know Led Amseth, you know Led Amseth <laughs> after those interviews, right? Yeah. At, at, at some point, I would love to see those posted with Led's I, permission because they're absolutely hilarious. I, I think this is honestly a great idea. A lot of people look for personalities. I look for somebody relatable in certain aspects of the game or whatnot. Uh, I thought it was great. I think it was the last week, a couple days ago, there was a gentleman that messaged you guys said, hey, like, I'm nervous about the, the club yeah. tour and I don't know what to think or how, how to react. And I think these videos are kind of something people would look forward to or 
or at least can relate to in some some sort of aspect. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it also it puts them in that, like you said, puts them into that position without actually being there. At least it's it's kind of like doing your research ahead of time. If you're gonna do it, you can mm-hmm. go in and you can see what it's like down in the trenches and whatnot. I think it's yeah, a great idea. You know what? And to be honest with you, like if if uh, we we do really well with this, and I, I mean, I don't know what sort of expectations you know Mitch has, or I mean, I don't even know what expectations I have out of something like this sort of idea. But maybe out of this, we find a way to you know talk to these people that uh, you know, if I'm being honest, should be bowling these tournaments and aren't, and you know, maybe there's some sort of uh, you know, keyword there that, you know, we can kind of hit on and say, you know, here's what's going to convince you to, to realize that you're good enough. And, and I really, I really think we, we can, if we put an honest, honest effort on it, I think we can get a few bowlers just strictly on something like this alone. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would totally agree. Um, and like you said, you haven't followed Brad and Kyle very much. They're a big PBA uh, duo that goes around. They, drive to every tour stop they travel vlog and all that stuff but the biggest part of their channel is they're at the event and they're randomly interviewing the other tour members that happen to be on the lanes during practice sessions with them and stuff like that it's the personalities not so much of brad and kyle it's who they're talking to that have mm-hmm. the personality that brings that right. makes the channel really good and really the, successful the sticking, right you say the one sticking point that i think we might run into is just the um, the attitude and the culture um, right now. And I mean, like, Tenpin's always been, you know, quite a bit more cutthroat for sure at that level. But, you know, there's that mentality that, I mean, there's going to be a lot of bowlers that don't want to be bugged. And, I mean, we're going to bug you. We're going to do it. So let's yeah, see, we'll see sure. how it goes. I'm, I'm excited to try it. And, you know, it's, I mean, you, you really, if I'm being honest with you, you can't have a better guy that, to, to to try and spearhead this and and run with it than Mitch. I mean, as far he, he as doesn't care. Area, he, <laughs> no. I mean, well, I mean, there's that, but I mean, like, it, I'm, if I'm being honest, he's for us in in you know in Ontario. There's Mitch, and then there's everybody else. You know, yeah, and, and I don't just mean ability, but I mean you know yeah. in, in in the personality himself, mm-hmm. or or you know like. Yeah. the closest thing that we have to a celebrity in five pin bowling in our area. So, yeah. you know, there isn't a better guy. Mm-hmm. Well, he's able to draw out, you know, personality just with his personality. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's a very unique aspect. Yeah. No, I think it's a perfect idea. I really like it. Um, speaking about this weekend, how are the club tour numbers looking? Uh, we're sitting, I think around, um, we're, we're in the low one forties, I think. Nice. Um, obviously, uh, there will be a little bit of juggling last minute, and I mean there always is, right? And uh, um, obviously, having a uh, eight lane center presents some challenges, and I think we're doing a, a, a decent job of um, addressing those challenges. And us running a Thursday night shift and a Friday afternoon shift, um, you know, as far as club tour is concerned. It's never happened. I mean, we've never done that. It's been a weekend tournament. Yeah. Now we're trying to make it an event. And, and so far, it seems very well received. I mean, we've got more than 20 entries for tomorrow night. And, and I think for us, that's, that's, a, that's a victory for sure. For sure. Um, and, you know, as it gets kind of down to the nitty gritty, and, and the one thing that I'll say too is 
we're taking 24. And with that and how well the place has been scoring this year, um, I think there's going to be a lot of people trying to get in those last couple shifts that have been bowling, you know, Thursday and both shifts Friday. Because, I mean, I have no idea what the cut's going to be. I think it's going to be high, um, but I have no idea what it's going to be. And, you know, there are going to be some people out there that are shooting 21 and a half rate thinking, I don't think that's good enough. I'm going to have to bowl Saturday. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what the numbers end up, you know, what, what becomes of them. But I'm pretty excited with, you know, it's up leaps and bounds over last year. And I thought we did pretty good last year too. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to, I mean, I'm higher than everybody and, and I think it would be because, you know, I take a lot of pride in, in our place and, uh, and I, I always, maybe I think scoring is a little better than it is, but uh, I think that's going to be 2200. And I mean, everybody else is just shy of that. And, and uh, I know 32nd last year was, was just over 2000 and 24 was just short of 21, I believe. And I'm telling you, this place is scoring way better this year. And Mark Delay is averaging almost 300. And oh. and and key key fun fact here is we put in the uh, black bases a few months ago. His average has actually gone down since the black bases have been put on. So he was over 300 uh, all the way up till the beginning of December. And I mean, he's sitting at like 297 right now. Absolutely ridiculous. So I mean, you know, the scores are obviously going to be there if someone's averaging almost mm-hmm. 300 for the season this this late in the season. Yeah. So there's been I a few know. comments, yeah. you know, con- just basically calling it, you know, Elmira Dune and uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's been yeah, I've never, never heard that before. No, that's that's, no, that's basically that's just us. us. Yeah. Oh, just, <laughs> just five years I get it. So I get it. <laughs> what uh, what what do you attribute the uh, the really high scoring the, this year to? So it, it was relatively decent last year as well, right? For sure. Um, our bowlers are just really, really good. No, that's not true. <laughs> well, it is true. No, that's, that's not the only reason. Uh, <laughs> Crickets. Well, you know, uh, the, the place has scored fairly well, and and I mean, our uh, our Tuesday our Tuesday Pro League it's it's a, it's a tiny league. Like you'd laugh to hear the size we've got five teams of three, you know, 15 bowlers. And, uh, and in this league, um, in the last three seasons, two and a half seasons, it's been a perfect game every, you know, every year. Um, and, uh, you know, throw that in with DJ Villeneuve's, uh, 1155 triple, which was absolutely ridiculous. Um, never had a 400 in there. And, uh, you know, and, and I kind of laugh cause, you know, there was a few people that asked that he had, he had 1434 for, uh, uh, for four games. And, uh, and everyone's asking like, you know, like, Oh, that's gotta be close to record. I'm like, that's not even the highest this league's ever had. <laughs> you know I mean, like, and then that was before the black bases, uh, Brett Sims had, had a higher, had a higher score, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, Obviously, the black bases have helped in the long term. I mean, my average skyrocketed. I mean, I threw a perfect game the next the next night after I put put the black bases on. So I mean, I can't say they haven't done a thing. And like, kind of looks uh, kind of looks like uh, <laughs> it's very favorable for sure. But um, but I don't know. I just um, 
it just it just feels like you get rewarded for a really good ball all the time. Um, and uh, now that we've got the black bases, 17 inch centers. Yeah, the 17s and the black bases, putting those together is like, it yeah. uh, it, it seems to be like a, a, a godly result. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, like um, it's not pins falling all over the place. I mean, we do get it from time to time, but like DJ's 1155 triple wasn't a string pull or kickback the entire night. You know, if he put it on the side, which was a lot, um, it was a strike every time. And, 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 you know, it was just one of those things where he throws the ball, lets, as soon as he lets it go, it's like, that's another strike. And being the guy having the bowl against him like it was, it's like, oh, this is great. As soon as he lets it, lets it go, it's like, yeah, that's another strike. Yep, that's another yeah. strike. I told him at one point he was getting boring watching him because <laughs> he didn't do anything else, right? Um, so I, I, I go, getting back to the original question, I think it's just a combination of, of everything. And, and it is a, a pretty comfortable um, bowling atmosphere. I think anytime uh, I know for myself personally, anytime you can bowl in a center and the pins feel like they're you know fingertip away, you know like you're gonna score well. And this place just feels so short, you know. Right. So I think that adds to it as well. I just mm-hmm. want you to come to the Heritage Traditional one year and see how debilitating <laughs> <laughs> tough houses. Yeah, insane. I mean, we do have them. Like, we, I mean, we in this area we do have some some tougher centers, but I mean, we're definitely spoiled with, um, you know, I'm coming in here every day. And then let's be honest, like, um, I lose sleep over our place if it doesn't score well. And uh, and and I pride myself, and, and as my wife does as well, we pride ourselves on on making sure this place scores really well because I really. I really don't think any proprietor truly wants the place to score bad. I mean, I think any proprietor that tells you that they, they do is lying to you because nobody wants their customers leaving on a weekly basis pissed off. You know, simple as that. You you want them to come back. You want them to be happy about the sport. And the best way to do that is is make sure the conditions are really good. Mm-hmm. I, I think bowlers are complaining regardless, to be honest with you. I think it's oh, 100%. Blood. I mean, I get flat. <laughs> I get blasted by my seniors on a, on a weekly basis for sure. You know, and I got to sit and listen yeah. to it and be like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh yeah, a guy had almost 1200 for three yesterday, but you know, the corner pins aren't falling and I'm sorry. <laughs> I hear you. Know? You. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny listening to you talk about scores and cuts. Uh, you're almost like Dex. Dexter's through the roof with score. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't think my center is that good. And then all of a sudden, like. Mine was basically there. bang on. I said 2200 yeah. and it was yeah. 2198. You yeah. said it was going to be like twenty one thirty. I was hoping. Um, Basically, but... I'm just smart. <laughs> but but Jeff, I I can like this cut. I think totally like if you have so many good players in that place, regardless of how many entries, how long it is, it's gonna be there. I think, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. we we played Innisfil, and if you talk about a tough center, Kerry has to deal with that this weekend. But me winning the master score was two thousand twenty two. So. Uh... <laughs> So, I mean, I guess, going, you know, honestly, when you have good scoring, too, uh, confidence is through the roof. People just throw balls, and they know it's going to be there, right? They don't have to worry about you know, hitting a pocket or moving a line or whatnot either. So, I can see their scores being there for sure. Hopefully. Yeah. I know I'll sleep well if they are. I mean, if, if the cut's you, a lot lower than I expected. Yeah. You know, well, you're not going to be sleeping anyways because you're, <laughs> you're running the whole thing. So. Yeah. Well, uh, I, mean, sorry, I mean, for those three hours that I'm going to get some sleep, <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure it's a good sleep, you know? Yeah. What, what's the exact format, Jeff? 
So um, we've definitely changed things up this year. Um, we we're trying to stray from the standard way we do things out here. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with, um, you know, just like a standard match play kind of thing. Um, try to get a little bit creative. And, and to be honest, um, I really, really think uh, we've come up with a format and it would be a format I, I, I would say that you guys are not unfamiliar with, but uh, Mitch and myself kind of spitball some ideas back and forth on something like um, what we think would be a really good format that would really um, crown a true champion and take in top 24 and uh, 24 are going to bowl an eight game block. We're going to cut down to 16. 16 are going to go into two pods, play everybody in your pod once. Uh, Win-loss record is uh, is determining factor. Pinfall is the tiebreaker. We're going to cut four out of each pod, one pod of eight. And uh, same thing, do it all over again. And then we're going to do one versus four and two versus three, winner versus winner. Awesome. So in order in order for you to win, you're going to have to bowl 25 games on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm tired already. Yep. Just think of it. I mean, if you, if, if you look at how, how, you know, the Nebs club mm -hmm. tour went, I mean, Mitch was in the thirties, you know, for games bowled. Mm -hmm. um, Bobby threw a lot of games. I bowled 27 games and, you know, yeah. you don't, I mean, I mean, you guys know just as, as well as, yeah. as I do. Like when you're, when you're doing it, you don't, you don't really, you don't really notice it, but I mean, you look at the guys that were up there for the, you know, the, the top placings and those were some shooters, you know, and they earned, they earned their places for sure. So mm -hmm. hopefully it's going to be something similar because we want the best bowler to win. You know, we don't want someone that just gets hot for a few games to take advantage of some scores. We want to see, you know, the best bowler. And I think, I think we've got a, a format that's going to nail that. Yeah, I think it'd be a travesty if you had a tournament that size and you only you played less than twenty games to win the tournament. It seems kind of yeah. silly. Yeah, well, that's, well, I mean, that's the way we've we've always done it around here, right? Like we do a, a, um, a two game match, and you know we take say thirty two, and you just fly right through it just like that, and you know, and you're on your way home. Yeah. And uh, and I just and, and you know. For the guys that are making the cut, there's there's some value in knowing that they're going to be bowling at least eight games, no matter what. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can stink the joint in it, and they're still bowling eight games. So they're still going to get their value out of making the cut, mm -hmm. as opposed to bowling two games and getting, you know, put through the bandsaw on somebody, and, and, <laughs> and you know, you're on your way home after two games, you know. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of neat. It's kind of a mixture of out west here it's kind of a mixture of autumn open and heritage traditional without the bonus sticks but i like it i really like the the, format. the um the actual pod uh setup is uh is is really taken from um the dpba the the professional duck pin uh associations uh um their their way of doing things for playoffs because they always do pods as soon as you make the playoffs and you play everybody in your pod and uh, they usually take a couple out of each pod to do a step ladder or brackets or something like that. So that's pretty much where we got that from. So once you're getting to the 16, you're putting more um, weight on the record than pinfall. 
Let's... Yeah, because it, it's a good mix, right? Because you're you're going for score the first eight, but then you're trying to win the next, you know, your next two two blocks, and then and then you're straight head to head for you know winner take all. See, this is where pinners come in. Hey, Jeff, maybe pinners. Yeah, come right. In pinners a... are not winners. <laughs> I guarantee you, whoever wins the tournament is going to be throwing a lot of strikes. Strikes. Yeah. Hmm. So who who are you picking to win? And oh. don't say Mark. Don't say Mark because I or Mitch. <laughs> Or yourself. Well, I mean, I would never pick myself anyway, but... Weber would. I would. <laughs> we all pick them too, so it makes sense, right? Um, so basically by saying I can't pick Mitch or Mark, you want a dark horse. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Educated dark <laughs> That's horse. That's kind of how it shakes down, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> not Jared Couchman either. All right. <laughs> No, um, he's going to get into the Twisted Tees, so he's going to be in trouble. And, uh, actually, I ran out of pepper shine. He's had a bad experience with some pepper moonshine here, so I think i pick up a bottle of that and see if I can get it. Okay, good call. <laughs> um, picking to win. Uh, I mean, you took the you took the two away from me that I – I mean, they'd be the go-tos for sure. Yeah. Instead of saying a person – I'm going to say a style. It's going to be a hard thrower that gets the ball out. Um, maybe taking away a little home home field advantage to anyone that might be listening that's bowling this weekend. Um, you can't drop the ball here. Uh, anybody that hammers the ball into lanes will not score. Um, and then obviously with, you know, the black bases and the 17-inch centers, you know, like somebody can get on a, a, a crazy run and, and uh, and throw some some real bangers up there. Um, I'd be looking for someone maybe like Mike Herbert. I mean, he could score here. He definitely doesn't drop the ball. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Oh, there was a bot on your lips though. There was. No, I'm gonna say lips. like. But that sounds terrible. So many, <laughs> there's so many guys that I really do think that can really you know crank it up to like. Zach Waggle, I don't know. Uh, you you might not know that that name. He's he's a local bowler. He, he always bowls well here. Um, John Cowan would probably be, you know, mm -hmm. he gets on a run and gets yeah. hot. You know, he'd be a tough guy to to, to unseed here. Another name that you wouldn't know would be Mitch Pape. Always bowls well. I mean, he averages two seventy five in league here. So he throws a, a ton of rotation with you know some good speed. I mean, those guys would be tough. Doug Brock, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, guys that are going to get on a run, I always say here, you know, you once you find it, it's hard to get it to go away. I mean, that's not a problem, right? Like, that's a good thing. But um, if you can figure this place out, I mean, you can go on just ridiculous runs. And that's why we see 1,400 quads, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, there's been there's been three of them in the last – you know, I guess year, calendar year, you know, and that's all it is, is just somebody's like, oh, I've got it figured out, and bang, 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 and they don't stop, you know, there's nothing that's going to derail them. I think those are good all picks. Right. Yeah. Who'd you really want to pick? Yeah, exactly, pick one. Mark, Mark, <laughs> Mark, for sure. Yeah. Spawn, pick one. That he is, you know, like, 
I mean, it'd be one thing to be for me to be saying, oh, yeah, there's a guy that averages almost 300 here, and you've never heard of the guy. But, I mean, he's got the track record, too, and, and he mm. knows what it takes to win. He's won multiple events at Club Tour. And, you know, and same goes for Mitch. You know, every time he comes up here, he lights the place up. And, I mean, with all the wins that he has on Club Tour, I mean, how do you how do you not pick one of those two guys, to be honest with you? Yeah. Uh, good call. Mitch is, like, the polar opposite of your – ideal style for this place though yeah but <laughs> to give him credit like he wouldn't Why? be like because <laughs> because i know he, he's probably gonna listen so like, no, in all seriousness that, that just shows the ability that yeah he's so smart of a bowler that um i mean he does throw a good speed um uh, that that will score he might not get uh you know quite as much splash as as the harder throwers do but you know for raw ability and understanding the game and 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 being able to make adjustments i mean he's gonna score anywhere but yeah you know he's they said he always lights the place up because he figures it out and then it doesn't go away Hey oh, Jeff, I, I have to stop you there. We're we're pumping Mitch's tires way yeah, too much. Yeah, okay. So he's. <laughs> I think he's going to shoot about eighteen fifty. And then play a second <laughs> shift and shoot twenty five. Going to get into he's the fine. rise. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, are going to you're going to give him some twisted tees and and uh, he's going to miss the cut by three hundred and fifty. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, perfect. Well, thanks for the rundown on the club tour. I, I hope you guys have a great weekend. It sounds uh, sounds like you got, you're in for a good one. So, yeah. Um, since you're one of our very first guests, we uh, have instituted a special guest questionnaire kind of throughout the last, I guess, probably forty episodes. Um, so, who is your bowling mentor growing up, Jeff? Bowling mentor. Yeah. Um. That's a tough one. Growing up, uh, parents were very key. Mike Bentley was big. Um, the Hyatt family. Um, the one, I guess, one kind of anecdote that I would say about mentor when I was growing up. Um, I bowled Sherwood Center for a few years, all the way up to my second year Bantams, and. Uh, moved to mountain lanes and I had a coach who made bowling fun for me. Um, you know, um, if I got a spare strike, Jeff gets candy, you know, um, you know, get a triple, you know, like that's a full chocolate bar that made bowling fun and it was goal oriented. And I really feel like, um, Christy Hyatt would be a big name for me because she really um, accelerated my desire to do well because what kid doesn't like candy? Um, but two, you know, really instilled uh, understanding goals. Now, you know, she wasn't really the one to say like the more technical aspects, um, but I feel like that set me up for, for, you know, working with someone like Mike Bentley. Now Mike Bentley used to, um, we used to bowl a Friday night men's league and I would bowl after the men's league was over and I'd bowl at one o'clock in the morning. 
and uh you know he would sit there and just basically drink the whole time and <laughs> just absolutely blast me if i threw a bad ball and would spend the time you know like um you know hearing from the family afterwards you know like got in a little bit of trouble you're like you know how drunk my dad was when he got home like he had to get up <laughs> in the morning and he still reeked and it's like oops like and that's what he was doing he was you know like um you know working with me and, and I, I really think that that's where all my uh um my progress came one having someone that took the time but putting all those games in and i mean like i'd throw 20 games on a friday night every week when i was like 16 so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that goal orientation that you're going that candy for a spare or a strike that's tim's still goal orientation every time well, he plays so that, it works yeah. out good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um besides your own Talk tournament what is your favorite tournament favorite tournament it, i mean it'd be tough not to say the open i mean it there's strategy there's uh a lot of drama that could you know you could find yourself in and and i mean we, we there's there's a few of us that always kind of talk about it and the open's always tougher than we think than than saying like if you're going to masters nationals because there's so much more involved, you know, there's five guys in masters and you have um, that extra guy and how are those personalities going to join together? And, you know, how are you going to take getting pulled? And, uh, and that just adds an extra dynamic plus, you know, the history of the game and, 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 and that tournament in particular, there's, it's second to none, you know, and, and, you know, when you win that, it's just got a different feeling to it. Hmm. That's a good good take on it. Like, I agree. There's a there's a lot of different aspects to the open nationals for sure. Uh, I d just to touch on that, and like, you guys can add your thoughts to it. When we won Masters Nationals, and maybe it was due to it was the hundred year anniversary. Maybe that had something to do with it. But it just it felt more to me than when we won the open, and I don't know why. Like the group of people was close either way it was pretty much the exact same people i won masters with that i won the open with but it just mm -hmm. felt different it felt like a bigger prestige winning masters for some reason but like i said maybe it was the situation that it was a hundred year anniversary and it was in i don't know yeah, I, think, I think there's so much that can go extra into an event each in particular year you know or who hosts it or yeah. maybe that yeah. has something to do with it i I personally, um, I've never won a Masters. I won an Open, uh, but I'll say right now, I think it's your first win. I mean, it was probably your first Master, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I absolutely cherish my 2010 National Gold with the Mins. I'll always for always remember, and just it just it was different winning compared to a youth one because when you win an adult one, it means something because you're in the record books. It's not just a YBC event. Um, I probably would have felt that same way with the Masters. I just winning a national gold in that situation. Um, obviously, Dex on the team made it a little bit different, but I, I'll, I'll say, and then I won the another one in 2017, and it didn't feel the same. Mm -hmm. It just it was, it wasn't it wasn't it was your it it was great feeling, but it wasn't your first one. And I think to me that makes a big difference. I uh, 
I, I agree to some extent. Like, 2010, that national win is probably the one that stands out the most for me, too. Because, like I said, there's certain triggers, and we talked about it when Bruce was on. Um, I remember winning nationals, and, like, the, the second that we won, Bruce was the first one to turn around and shake my hand and be like, you are a national champion, and it still gives me goosebumps. But winning Masters and winning the Open, and I've won Masters in between me winning the two Opens and at one, um, I still think that winning the Open feels better. And the, the only reason being is that I think it's the way you win. Um, Masters is almost anticlimactic at times. It can be because, you know, it can, it can be over before that last game. Um, and you simply just don't have that in the open. Okay, here we go. Team versus team. Winner takes all. Let's go. Whereas the, the Masters doesn't have that. You can you can have your mm -hmm. tournament wrapped up with two games to go. Mm -hmm. you know, or, or at least have a significant lead where you're going to be up six and you just need to win two individual matches or something like that to shut it out. To go along with that, actually, um, my first uh, national gold was 2003 in Gatineau for Masters. And um, we had it wrapped up with a game to go. And, you know, I was definitely very blue. I mean, I barely even knew what I was, you know, what I was getting myself into when it came to that event and had never been to a nationals before. And, and, and I guess kind of to go along with what Tim is saying, too, or um, – when we won in 2012 for for the open for our men's team you know out of hamilton that had never happened from a hamilton men's team before so maybe that's why and, and you know we had some really good teams leading up to that and we didn't even get a sniff at you know at winning the nationals for the open so maybe it means more to me just strictly because it was a lot harder work and and maybe i took my you know my first experience at masters for granted because you know, I really didn't know any better back then. Yeah, I think the, the Masters in Alberta, especially, just having that opportunity to play with some of the greats from all the different zones, it's, it, it, there's something just different about getting to a, a Masters Nationals versus a, an Open Nationals where you've gotten through two battles with that team just to even get there, essentially, right? So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I Personally, I, I've always loved the Open. I, I love the formats of the Open. I love having that opportunity to come from third or fourth uh, to, to run through a stepladder as a team or even fifth from, from a stepladder in a single. Um, I, I, I love the singles format in Masters better. Yes. Uh, I, I do like the win two out of three type type style of it. Um, but uh, for, for, for me, I, I've had so much more success at the Open than the Masters. So, um, no, I think to, that's to probably me it's the funny difference. Because I feel I feel like, and this is just my personal opinion. I feel like uh, Masters and the Open have the singles formats flopped. You know, it's 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 interesting. I don't, I don't know. The entire Open is all about the match mm -hmm. play, and then all of a sudden the Open it's just it's pinfall for the first three days. And that, yeah. That's that's really weird to me. I I feel like the head to head would make more sense and then the masters i mean the team is very obviously match play oriented but uh you know to get there it was all pinfall based so i i would understand it being pinfall based more so on the master side it, it's it's interesting to me but i agree i i think i, I like i mean, having not competed in either of them i think i would prefer to play the masters format just because the the match play head to head all the way through i like that 
Yeah. Mm. Um, so do you have a toughest or a favorite match? A toughest or favorite? Yeah. Um, I don't know. The toughest matches would be the, the two guys we've already we've already mentioned. Um, Any time of old Mitch or Mark um, are always tough. Um, favorite match? Um, I'm gonna say if I were to pick like one in particular, that's like single game match that I've ever had um, would have been 2012 against uh, Freddie Toffelmeyer. Um, <laughs> 386 to 385 victory uh, while that number was um i mean i mean that's a crazy match just just to begin with but um you know freddie hadn't had a whole lot of experience from the fly pin aspect at that point yet and uh you know probably one of the most likable guys that i've bowled against and it was just a, a really fun game um in a fun tournament that, I mean, we got a lot of success out of that tournament, but um, I just think from a standpoint of, of um, if I were to be watching something like that, to see us see something like that would be, um, you know, a, a, a spectacle for sure. So that would have to be, I mean, anytime I talk to people and they, they ask questions about match play, I always bring up that game where, you know, like you can't be 386 385 is, is a pretty ridiculous single head to head match no for sure it is and especially uh against a player i know freddie didn't have much experience back then but the no, player I, he I turned out was, to be was yeah i honestly I'm, I'm pretty sure that was pretty much his first year of exposure because he was still he was nova scotia right so yeah mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and probably still the same intensity that he has today oh yeah it was yeah. unreal yeah and, and you know what? And while he's intense, though, like like I say, he's a likable guy. Super. He yeah. did it. He did it the right way. Like it's not a. I mean, it has some experience where um, somebody has rubbed me the wrong way with intensity, and 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 you know I beat them up for for years after that. Every time we we bowled them because it was a wrong kind of intensity, you know, where someone would cross over on my lane, you know, after throwing a shot. And uh, I mean, I, I don't really want to name them, but. Um, they crossed over onto my lane and uh it did it you know first time and it was like eh, okay that's a flyer because maybe you're drifting that way and then the very next frame did it again going the other way and i'm like okay now you're doing it on purpose and uh as the game kind of went on i did it to him and just like you know you want to play that game i can play that game too and uh at the end of the game he refused to shake my hand so uh you know i held that not just to that individual, but to the province for quite a few years after that. You should have took off was... your helmet during his anthem. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the same thing, right? Like, I mean, I didn't even start it, right? I mean, it's to sound arrogant, I didn't, I didn't start it, but I finished it. And, and, uh, and he didn't like that. And, you know, you still need to be respectful. Yep. So, you know. Yeah. That's all we yeah. have in our game. It's just basically our word and, and our respect for each other. Yeah, mm -hmm. I totally get it. Uh, so what's in your arsenal? Well, you guys are going to be excited to know that I am a Starline thrower. What? <laughs> no way. Uh, yeah, I'm the only I... one that's excited to hear that. Come on. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan. I've, I've played with Starlines for years. I've won a few so tournaments I've... with Starlines. They're all right. So if I'm, 
I have a set, one set of bowling balls that you're pretty much only ever going to see me throw. It's the Starline Globe Balls. The only year they made a personalized Starline Globe Ball. Um, I bought a set. I was 16, so I'm 40 now. So a little while ago. And, uh, and I mean, they've been my, my staple since then. Um, I do have a couple other bowling balls that just kind of weigh my bowling bag down, to be honest with you. Um, and, uh, so I have, uh, a couple comets. I used to have some of the duck pin style, the ABC comets, which I, I sold to a league bowler, which I still wish I didn't. Um, and, uh, so I have two comets and I've got our one test ball. I, we, I know last time we were on, we were talking about, uh, our, our bowling ball venture, which has been really slow, but I do have a throwable test ball. And I mean, and I don't really ever use it in the league, but you know, I might throw it a few times in warm up more just to see what it's like and see what kind of action or hand it to somebody to see what they might like out of it. But, um, glow ball star line all the way. And I wouldn't oh. throw anything else. Yeah. What that, size and weight? Uh, after five so many inch, years, five inch. And well, I mean, they were three ten, but they're not three ten anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, and they got a couple deep cracks. I actually sold them to somebody. And then I had to buy them back. I'm like, after a couple of years, I'm like, I can't do this. I don't feel like me anymore. I need to buy them. So <laughs> I bought them back. Yeah. Did I? I hope he uh, upcharged you. He did not. Oh. He did not. Nice guy. Yeah. Poor businessman, but nice guy. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> uh, what bowling shoes do you use? I have a pair of loafers. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, you, are you are 40 years old. Man. I can show you, I can show you them, but I mean, like, no one's gonna see what they look like other than you guys. But I literally like slip on loafers that I've I've got slider on. Um, they are just really comfortable, and I do a lot of my bowling in my own place. And I gotta go behind the counter. I gotta go, you know, behind to fix the machine. And I don't want my bowling shoes on while I'm doing that. So um, they're just the easiest thing to slide off. And, uh, and like I said, they're just so comfortable and I, I can't wear like a regular bowling shoe. I had storms and I think I, the second time I wore them, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like I need to find something that's way more comfortable and, uh, having uh foot issues and, and, and that from, you know, um, I'm probably just getting old, just, I need to have a shoe that's really comfortable. I just find that a standard bowling shoe, like a Dexter or a storm is just, feels like a rock in the sole, you know, like it's just so hard and uh, I just need some shoe with some cushion and, you know, hmm. I was going to say you have, you have foot issues. That's gout. Cause you're rich and probably eat a lot of red meat. Yes. That's totally <laughs> what it is. <laughs> actually, you know, I, I, uh, I actually broke, I fractured a bone in my foot um, last, like in July and uh, it, I've been dealing with some ankle issues and it's basically it's a bad sprain but um I'm still still doing physio for it now but uh I uh so I fractured this bone in my foot and I had no idea I did it um I knew something was wrong like I was pretty sure that I did some damage but it hadn't been confirmed it was it was a fractured bone and uh, a couple weeks later I literally the Wednesday before I left for a duckpin tournament I was still on crutches and I left Friday morning and I bowled with a broken foot i had no idea it was like i had a pretty good idea it was broken but it wasn't confirmed that it was broken so you know for me my feet like 
they, they this stuff is really is really serious for me now like it's something that i really need to take care of and and, and it starts with your shoes really to be honest with you yeah especially when you're spending all day standing right yeah i don't get off my feet uh so do you have an item on your bucket list you want to complete before you hang up your shoes your loafers um before i hang up my loafers um there is one goal that i have that is i guess shorter term um and it's not five pin based it's duck pin based is um i'd like to go into the dpba hall of fame and i'm very close only a few points away and um i just like how they have that set up uh you know it's points based earned to get in not you know hey let's wait till you're 50 and I'm, I'm very against that whole idea um how how we do it anyway where you know you have to hit an age to tell you you're good enough to you know to you know to be in and uh you know not to keep continually tooting his horn but i mean like if somebody like mitch davies is hall of fame worthy what age is that you know what i mean like does it have to be 50 you know it doesn't and 39 but, you know, I just think that um, you want to showcase your uh, your talented bowlers and, and give them this uh, prestigious honor of being in the Hall of Fame. Just hate seeing it when they don't have that ability anymore. And, you know, they're just a shell of their former bowlers. And, and, and you know, when it comes to duck pin, you know, there's guys that are, you know, in their 30s that are, you know, they're Hall of Famers and, and they've earned it. And, and there's there's definitely a lot of honor and prestige that goes with that. Um, for five pin, um, I mean, nothing that I'm going to accomplish in the next little bit. I, it's a singles title, and I'm not bowling anything. I never bowled the Open this year, and I'm not bowling Masters. So, so I mean, that's going to be kind of on the shelf for a while. But, I mean, my schedule doesn't allow me to do a lot of that stuff, unfortunately. So um, that's going to be on the back burner for sure. That 50-year thing, is that for the Ontario Hall of Fame? Okay. Because yeah. Yeah. I don't think it exists for the C5, right, Tim? No. no. It's, it's point-based as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way it should be done, you know. If if you've got your, your stars of bowling, and I'm a big advocate for promoting our stars, if they're good enough to get in, why wait, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, Duster said it right, and I brought it up at the meetings again. Uh there's I say no, lots of things right. Uh, not really, but <laughs> you can't, you can't, and this sport, we don't retire a lot of us, right? So when mm-hmm. you, like baseball, right? When you retire, you're going to have an X amount of years, right? And uh, you just never know, for example, say, you know, uh, Adam gets r- ran over tomorrow. I mean, I mean, that's fine for the open trials, but I mean, he would never have that opportunity, right, to, to experience it. So I just think it's, if, if it's points-based and, and it's correct, then it's kind of the way it should be, right? So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You guys have definitely turned me around on that. I was a big advocate for, I think they should be retired before they get inducted to yeah. the Hall of Fame because it, it seems weird to me that a Hall of Famer is still in their prime winning tournament after tournament after tournament. So you have to keep updating the Hall of Fame records and all that stuff. I do get that, yeah, there isn't really a retirement age for professional five pin bowling, competitive five pin bowling. So that definitely makes sense. But Tim, your explanation of he could be hit by the bus tomorrow. So it could be a major league baseball player, but like that yeah. doesn't make no, any difference. The one, the one thing that I'll, the one thing that I'll say, uh, 
because I've been kind of an advocate for this for a couple of years now. Um, I get a lot of people that say, well, you know, Major League Baseball doesn't do it like that. Major League is Major League Baseball isn't suffering for an image. Five pin bowling is, you know, they don't have a problem promoting their stars. You know, you get Mike Trout. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. We all know that. Um, but I mean, he's a big star. Bryce Harper, same thing. You know, um, we don't do as good of a job. And if we can kind of put one more designation in there to, you know, tell people like, hey, this is like this guy is the the bowler of all bowlers. You know, we need to do that, and we need to kind of you know put them in the forefront where people recognize them for one more additional thing that they've done and they've deserved. And and baseball doesn't need to do that because you know for the Derek Jeters and the Larry Walkers that get in the Hall of Fame and that was a big one for me. Mm-hmm. You know, once they're done playing, someone takes their spot. But yeah. we don't necessarily have that. Their numbers aren't really crashing at the major league level. But no. I mean, yeah. no, we um, don't necessarily see that in five pin bowling. Yeah, and to be fair, the C five like there's going to be growing pains with this Hall of Fame thing, right? It's been a sure. hundred years, and it's going to take some learning to figure out when a person should be inducted. And I'm not saying that anybody that has been inducted shouldn't have been that everybody is well-deserving. It's just right. timing may not have been the greatest, but Hey, I'm more than happy to celebrate Adam's hall of fame. There is no, nobody would ever say I'm against it. I just, maybe he could have waited a few more years. There's probably people in the game that deserved it before that, but mm-hmm. they'll still be inducted in the years to come. So, yeah, and um, I think one thing to keep in mind too is is just because if like if it ever gets put in play, in, and at least in our level anyway, where um, they can get in before they're fifty, doesn't mean they're going to get in before they're fifty. It's not like we're opening the floodgates and saying, "Well, this guy's had a pretty good couple years. Let's get him in there." You know, they're still going to need to deserve still it. Still a point. They might not get in. Your your guys are probably going to be instead of being fifty, they might be forty five, forty seven, or thirty. They might get in a couple years early. But you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not going to be drastic. You're not going to see some 20-year-old, you know, light it up for a year and then people go, well, you know, he might be a Hall of Famer. You were talking about goals earlier. And uh, unfortunately, a lot in, in our game has gone to, like, inclusion-based over performance-based. So to me, it's nice to have something, one more goal to have um, that, that does require you to get better. And, and not only get better, but to excel at the highest level. Um, so I, I think that's something important in our game that we've needed it too. Yeah, and and I think for us anyway, like we don't know we don't know what a Hall of Famer is in Ontario. Like I don't know what really the guidelines are. I mean, I've talked to people that are on the committee. Um, it's an opinion based, but I mean, what do I need to do to be a Hall of Famer? Do I have more stuff to do? Am I good enough now? I have no idea. You know, at age forty, I'm ten years out. You know. Um, you know, what is that definition? We don't know. And it would be nice to know what, you know, mm-hmm. what we need to do. And, and for a lot of people, maybe, um, you know, you see people that are say around my age or, you know, 45 and they're, they're kind of, their desire is kind of fizzling. Maybe they hang on for a couple more years and bowl for sure. They do. More events if they know like, Hey, if I do well in the next couple of years in this event, I'm going to have everything I need that's required for me to be in a hall of fame. And I'll be recognized for it. Or maybe I'll just mm-hmm. go ahead and do that. You know, maybe we get these guys that are, you know, kind of on the fence of whether they're going to continue to be competitive bowlers to continue to be competitive bowlers. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm completely against. Uh, sorry, I'm completely for for uh, point system. 
and performance based than uh, just uh, selection or I hate when associations have uh, ballots or you you send in um, a resume for something I strongly against it I ra I'd rather have your your accolades speak for themselves than than somebody committee picking something that's my two two cents on it so Adam, just don't bet on the sports in the next ten years, so they have to It'll take you fun. out of the Hall of Fame. That's all. <laughs> oh, I I would love to take that. Yeah. No, buzzers, no buzzers either. No yeah. garbage can bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey everybody! So we also have a draw that we're going to do for our Patreon members. Um, so I'll just go through the list of our Patreon members. There was 18, and we're going to give away three shirts. So we'll do a randomization for them. Um, our first one is Adam Weber, Al Paquette, Amber Ashton, Bobby Kite, Chris McCrete, Dexter, <laughs> Eric Chose, JB Rainsberger, uh, Jarrett Couchman, Ken Wilson, Luke St. George's, Michelle Manton, Mitch Davies, Mitchell Ryu, Robert Wolfson, and Shang Nengwa Thomas Roskowicz. I don't know how to pronounce his name. And Roskowicz, Tim Gadd. Yeah. Roskowicz? Yeah. All right. Both, so, two of them are sure of all workers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll randomize it three times and we'll give away the shirts to the number one on each randomization. So Did I hear Tim Wiseman in that list? No. Huh. Wow! Oh my! Wow! Curry <laughs> Crichton's not on there either. That's because yeah, I don't though. want it. <laughs> hey, all he does is collect. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so first one is Thomas Ruskovich. Oh. <laughs> 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 and then yes, <laughs> going again, JB Rainsberger. And then the last one is Eric Chose. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Alrighty. Yet another Raz I don't win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Congrats, guys. Oh, perfect. Uh, Jeff, yes. Uh, we're all wondering what is your favorite cereal? Is it Cheerios? Nothing, General Mills. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well. Specific. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no story behind it whatsoever. Just That's for some fair. reason that brand of cereals just doesn't jive with me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have one last topic, and it may be a controversial one. But uh what are your guys' thoughts on loyalty to teams that you've played with years in a row? Do you feel that there should be, I wouldn't, I guess I shouldn't use the word loyalty. Do you think there should be a general line if the team's not playing well? Do you look elsewhere for better teams or people you play better with or that kind of situation? Um, because as we know, we play through all these cash tournaments. There's Baker's events, there's Trio's events, there's Doubles events. When do you cut the ties? Because um, obviously there's going to be jumbling around and uh, me and Tim have been a part of cutting ties a few times I've done it in doubles events and um, inside there is another one coming up here for the next part of this group but uh, 
do you feel like there should be any type of loyalty or is it money first or placing first? Not even, I guess I shouldn't say money because there isn't a lot of money in these events. It's who you want to play with or situations like that. So tr- truthfully, I, I, it's not even like money for me. Uh, I, I've had, I've had loyalty to teams that I've won with. So um, there was the one year where we ended up winning and then I played with them the second year and uh, we came in second and I played over third year. Um, but other than that, honestly, we're at these cash tournaments with people that we don't see very often or never get an opportunity to play with. And that's kind of what it is for me more than anything. Money's so nice. It's, but... So it's a personal thing. You're saying it's a personal thing that you chose not to be part of that team. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I cut you and Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for our podcast listeners out there, uh, Carrie got dumped off two teams, uh, and uh, I, I mean, I think I think our team is going to be a better gelled, honestly, in Regina. So I'm not really too worried about that, Carrie. Um, I am trying to. I am uh, uh, excuse try- me. I just want to point out that Adam Weber has the best gelled hair in the game, so you should stop that. <laughs> um. <laughs> You know what? Honestly, in the past, I I hate to say it, I have been on teams that, or not not recently, uh, maybe for my doubles that I didn't necessarily want to play with anymore. But you feel obligated to play with them. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 to be honest, with you, any team we play on most times is going to have a chance to do well. Just obviously, uh, I like you as a person, Carrie. I, I don't know, but. <laughs> Those two, um, but I'm 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 okay with it. I'm okay enjoying my company, and we have a chance to win anyway. So, uh, Taylor Taylor's gonna drink her amount of beer. He's gonna he's gonna take her quota and then some. So we're we're gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, kind kind of to mirror Dex a little bit. I I, I don't think loyalty is the right word uh, for it as well. I uh, I think we really just want to have fun at these events. We want to play with players that we don't always have a chance to play with or kind of mix year after year. And um, I, I will do the same thing. Like if, uh, if we win a certain year or we finish like top two or three making some money, uh, there's a good chance we'll play again. That's that next year, uh, unless there, there's maybe a bucket list type player that you actually have a chance to play with. So the, like th- this year, um, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to play with Mitch who I've never played an event with and Greg DeGrazia, who I've never played at the, at an event with. So I kind of jumped at that. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a loyalty thing. I, I think you're making it bigger than, than it really yeah. is with that, with that <laughs> word. Because I, 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 I'm, I'm huge on loyalty. So that, that, that's why I don't think this is a break so, of loyalty. So, Adam, that was your trios team, right, in Regina? So can you explain yes. to listeners what your Baker's team is in Red Deer? Uh, last well, two no, years no, ago, two, no, no, so two, two years ago we won. <laughs> two two yeah. years we two years ago we won. Last year yeah. we were terrible. Okay. And uh, yeah, I had an opportunity to to play with uh, another team this year. So and who's on that I, team? I, I jumped on it. Uh, who's on? Well, are arguably three of the top five players in the country. Okay, so 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 I jumped at it. So, so Mitch, Greg, and Dex, right? So correct. Okay, all right, all right. Just, just, just want to, just want to know what you're doing because you haven't played with them in forever, and you're playing with them twice. So, well, I, I, absolutely. I get, 
That's perfect because you know what? In three years, when you you uh, me, expect the different team, me and Dex play events all the time. Now, on the flip side, <laughs> in, in in Regina, we're playing the same four player that we won money with last year. So, right. Jeff, Jeff, what's your thoughts on it? Well, <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking. Mitch must have passed this question on because we bowled best ball for quite a few years together, him and I. The last couple of years, I've been absolutely terrible. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess being hey, – I'm being uh, being the carry here in the situation where, you know, I've, somehow I'm sitting here thinking, like, you know, we've signed up to bowl again, and I'm like, why are you putting yourself through this, man? You can bowl someone else. But I don't want to say that because I want to keep bowling the guy, right? But uh, – but yeah, I mean, um, you know, all kidding aside, either there's definitely the, um, yeah, I guess we keep coming to the word loyalty, but I, I don't, I also don't think that's the right word, but, um, you keep coming back to the same teams and, you know, there would definitely be that awkward moment where, you know, someone's just kind of like, I got a chance to go and bowl with, you know, so-and-so, you know, you know, a couple jobbers like Mitch and Greg, then, you know, I don't know why you're bowling with them, Adam, because they're not going to take you very far. They're not that good. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, even if it's not like those two absolutely prestigious bowlers and they could just be, you know, someone, you know, that you just really gel well with and, and you want the opportunity to bowl with, but there's definitely going to be that awkward moment where it's kind of like, it's like a breakup really, to be honest with you. And, and, it doesn't need to be, you know. <laughs> Gary, there's plenty of fish in the sea, bud. You know, no, I. Like, no, you, I'll blow on your team, Gary. I'll blow on your team anytime. The only, re and, the only uh, reason I bring up the question is because nobody else would. I could care less. Yeah. If people want to play with other teams, play with other teams. Your and, your face looks like you felt yeah, you care a little. No, yeah. no, not a, at all. Because I was that guy that jumped teams too. I, me and Tim dropped Aaron Arndt, and Aaron was pretty much one of the best players in the country shortly after we did that. Like he won both masters back to back. And hey, we, I, it is what it is. I, if you're not playing won, well with the teams, I won Bakers. I won Bakers in Regina the one year with, uh, with art and, uh, in the Wiltons. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, they ditched me the next year. I mean, I didn't go back to Regina. I was probably <laughs> why they dropped me. But... <laughs> no, Filled my spot up. I just, I just think if you want to play with certain people and you have the opportunity, do it. You're not going to run into those those situations very often, and it's you're only a part of the sport for so long. So you have the opportunities, do it. I will say, like the the one thing that um, that I would see would say rings true with a lot of bowlers is you kind of get up to a level and and there's egos and there's that um, period of, you know, somebody not wanting to bowl with you and you've never experienced that, you know, like everybody wants to bowl with you. And then you get to someone who's going to go somewhere else. And, and, you know, that that's kind of like a shell shock, you know, where you've kind of always been the guy and then, you know, you're with other, you know, other bowlers of that same level and, you know, they might go a different, and then, I mean, not, it might not be results oriented either. It just might be, you know, like, Oh, well, I just want to go bowl with this person because, you know, maybe they took a year off or something. Um, and it, it's, it's a tough, it's tough to emotionally navigate that because 
because you're dealing with, I mean, as much as we like to say we don't, we all have ego, you know, um, and, and we've earned it because, because of successes, but, um, you kind of get stepped on a little bit and you don't know how to react to it because that's not something you've ever been put through, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's going to be something that's part of the sport for a long time. Right. Like, yeah. But don't, hey, Carrie, don't worry though. I, you know, next time I come out West, you know, I'll, I'd bowl with you. So when we're both 50. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Part, so you might, you might question the loyalty by having to bowl with me for a second here. Yeah. It'll be team loafer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll knock until you try it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, Steve, Sorry, you had I, one topic. Eh? I do have one thing I want to quick mention because Jeff is on the podcast. Uh, we're big, both big baseball fans. Larry Walker made the Hall of Fame. I yes, just want to yeah. congratulate him. Yeah. Uh, for some of you guys know, I know, uh, don't know, he actually was a five-pin bowler. He, uh, 1983 Fraser Valley Champion Junior Boys single. There you go. I just found that out beforehand. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, uh, now he's rocking he's now he's 19... SpongeBob shirt. SpongeBob <laughs> shirt, yeah. Uh, just to put that in perspective, uh, Doug Mosdale, C5 Hall of Famer, won that in 76. And... Uh, Gil Baldwin won it in 64. So uh, pre- pretty interesting stats there. But, yeah, I, you just never know who is a five-pin bowler. A lot of people do that. Uh, Jerome Ginla was one. Dean Brody was another. Uh, so it's kind of a small uh, world who, there. Who's that Who's that country singer? Dallas Smith? Yeah, that guy. Dallas Smith. Dallas Smith. Sorry, not Dean Brody. Dallas Smith you, was. Yeah. used to be a, he was a, used to be a default, too, I think, right? Rock band? No, 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 no. He's a country singer. Uh, he's from the lower mainland, BC. Yeah, I think yeah. he was part of Default Men Went Country. No. What is it? Is it like I like how I like how Tim automatically says no, but he's gonna look it up after and yeah. then text Get, you and and then find out that I'm right. Yeah, because he's a big You're country right. fan. And he doesn't believe that any of them could have been a rocker before. I thought you meant Default. Oh, um, <laughs> music group Default. Thank you. Oh, weird, hey Tim. Maybe you shouldn't automatically <laughs> say no you're when you not, don't. Know. You're not smarter than Google. Go figure. But I literally have no idea what he does in country. So. No. <laughs> Anyways, go Larry yeah. Walker. Yeah, right. congrats to him there. Pretty cool. Yeah. I hear he's not going in his next bow though. No, I, most of most of his time was in Colorado. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was all good. He's always an expo to me, though. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for coming out. Let's shut this one down. This one's a long one, and I have lots of editing to do. So uh, good luck this weekend, Jeff. Hopefully uh, everything turns out great. Yeah. And uh, Good luck to all those playing the Open out there across the country. Um, yeah, we didn't forget about the Open. We just went off topic too much this yeah podcast. We, we were gonna get to it we never happened never, <laughs> never not once yeah, thanks for having me on guys really appreciate the time anytime uh, always good chat with you jeffy